This interview was conducted by Tony Bongiorno, who has sadly passed away since this conversation was recorded. Our deepest condolences to his family and to those of us who worked with him and knew him so well. Welcome to The Money Doctors, conversations on financial wealth and money matters for medical and dental professionals. One of the most challenging decisions an employer can make is to end the employment of a staff member. Emotions can be high, feelings can be hurt and resentment can occur. So how do you do it in a respectful way without leaving either party remorseful or worse? John Ryan has experience guiding employers exactly through these situations. John is former Fair Work Commissioner and today is Senior Workplace Relations Advisor with AMA Victoria. He's joined by the Director of the Bongiorno Group, Tony Bongiorno, who begins by asking John for his thoughts on problematic or difficult team members creating issues in the workplace. I think that one of the problems that we have is that when we are focusing on a team member who's problematic or difficult, we're starting to look at this issue from the wrong perspective. But it's natural that what we're doing is looking at it from the wrong perspective. And that's because we're looking at it from the perspective of the employer who says, I've got a problem. I'd like to turn the conversation around in some respects because I think that when you look at problematic staff or difficult staff, you're looking at firing as the end consequence. You know, can I make them improve? If they don't improve, what have I got to do? I've got to get rid of them. And I think that that sort of approach and that language is a result of the way in which legislation has been drafted over the last few decades, which is all about providing workers with rights about not being unfairly dismissed or not being unlawfully dismissed. And because we've got that sort of legislative approach, employers are then focusing on often the negatives. How do I avoid an unfair dismissal? How do I avoid getting into trouble if I'm managing problematic or difficult staff? Well, how can the AMA help, I guess? Because that's your business. So I guess we're asking in a scenario like this, how can the AMA actually help the member? Well, the way, way I do it is the first thing is to change the conversation. And primarily my focus is to get people to stop thinking in terms of how do I manage a staff member in order to terminate them? And I change the language to a conversation around relationships because one of the things that I've learned over quite a few decades now is that the whole language we use in this space, which is hiring and firing, is language which is ill-suited to what we're really talking about. Hiring is too mechanistic, you know, um, go out to the market and hire a labourer to work in the fields or to do it. It's all about getting a job done. And firing is about getting rid of the worker, I mean, if we don't use firing, we use dismissal or termination. When you use the word termination, I think of the terminator, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You do something, it's brutal, it's blunt, and it's final. That's termination or dismissal. See movies with the military and the senior officer who says to the junior person, you're dismissed, which is 
get out of my sight or get out of my space. So that sort of language is wrong. What I try to get employers to look at is it's a relationship. And if we understand that what we have is a relationship, then it's all about how do you commence the relationship and how do you end the relationship. If we're focusing on the end of the relationship, then like all relationships, they have a beginning, they have a life and they have an ending. And in personal relationships, and I use this because everyone can understand it, in personal relationships, we've all been through them where we've been in a relationship that has ended. And sometimes it's a case of, is it anyone's fault or is it no one's fault? When people blame each other for ending the relationship, you end up with conflict. It's messy, it's difficult, and it generally is unresolvable. If you can end a relationship respectfully, without blame, then whilst there might be hurt, there's no sense of I've got to get even um, if you can do the ending of the relationship respectfully. So my approach to ending the relationship is an employer should be firm um, about what they want to do. I often get people, employees who ring up and they start to say, what do I do with this? problematic or difficult staff member? How do I manage them? What's performance management look like? As soon as they say that, I stop them and I say, let me ask you the difficult question or the real question. Do you want to keep this person or would you prefer to end the employment relationship with this person? Absolutely. Generally, most employers uh, are a bit caught short by that. They can't answer it. They stop. And some of them say, is it possible to end the relationship? Some of them haven't even thought of it because they're so focused on the micromanagement process. If I can get them to answer that question honestly, if the answer is we want to keep the staff member, then all effort has to be put into how do you improve the performance of the staff member? How do you keep them? How do you keep that relationship alive and, and ongoing? If the employer says... I would frankly prefer to end the relationship. Then as soon as I've got that, I say, are you firm in that? If the answer is yes, then the process has to be, how do we end the employment relationship respectfully, with some generosity, and as quickly as we possibly can? You talked about those as steps in our discussion where you said uh, speed is important, And you talked about respectfully treating each other and you talked about also a a plan, a step, a series of steps. So we've talked about this concept of do you really want that person to stay or go? If the answer to that is yes, then what's the next step? The next step is... um (laughs) What are you going to do or what do you want to do to get an effective end of that employment relationship. I stepped the employers through a process where I map out what needs to be done. First of all, never blame the worker. The moment you blame a worker, the moment you accuse a worker of doing something wrong, you are inviting a fight. Because natural, natural human reaction is if you are blamed for something, 
you will defend yourself and you say, I didn't do it or it's not my fault or you'll come back with a counter charge against the employer and saying, you did this wrong. So never blame. If you bring blame into it, you've just killed off the possibility of a respectful, amicable ending of the employment relationship. That's a difficult thing for some people, isn't it? It's incredibly difficult, which then brings me to the next thing. I tell the employers, you've got to stay out of this process because most employers are so invested in both their business and in the people that they've got working for them that if they try to handle this on their own, they invariably make fundamental mistakes. Like they cannot avoid saying a wrong thing to an employee, it is your fault, or don't you remember when you did this? I mean, they only have to say it once and they've just blown up the whole process of trying to get amicable. So where, where would you steer the conversation then? Then the conversation is steered around, you need a professional to do this. You need someone who is dispassionate, who can step in between you and the employee and handle the process. And I say to them, that's where I come in. The AMA. AMA, yes. We come in and we can actually do that for them. Because the art of this is you need to communicate an idea to the employee. And that idea is the employment relationship needs to end, but it needs to end amicably. The employee also needs to understand the employee is not being blamed for the ending of the relationship. In other words, it's not their fault. It's just something that's going to happen. They need to understand that it's a relationship that's ending nothing else. It's an employment relationship. So that's what is ending. And then they also need to understand what are the consequences which flow from that. And someone has to explain to the employee, first of all, what their rights are so that they have a pretty clear understanding of what they are entitled to. So what are their statutory rights if the employment relationship ends? What are their legal rights if they wanted to challenge an employment relationship ending? So they need to understand that. Then they also need to understand that as a result of the process that we've put in place, a level of generosity is going to be shown towards the employee and that generosity is reflective of the fact the employee is not to blame for the ending of their employment relationship. But because generosity is being shown to the employee, in other words, something is going to be given to the employee that they cannot get under the Fair Work Act, then in turn for giving them that level of generosity, we want the employee to sign terms of settlement and the terms of settlement is to ensure that both the employer and the employee understand that this process, when it ends, ends everything. In other words, neither party has to look over their shoulder and say, is the other party coming after me or do I have to be worried that they will say something bad about me later on? Well, generosity is a, a, a good word, but generosity to, um, for example, Elon Musk might be quite different to generosity of someone out on the street. So when you use the term generosity, can we quantify that possibly in a broad range of how much would it be? Would it be a week's salary, a month's salary, three months, six months? 
would you know qualify something that's generous? My benchmark for generosity is to use the scale of redundancy payments that are set out in the Fair Work Act. And I do that for two reasons. The first is that it's quantifiable, so everyone can see exactly what the figures are. It's based upon years of service, so you get more money the longer you have worked if you were made redundant under the Fair Work Act. And because of that, or it's also something which is known. It's a common concept. A lot of workers understand the concept of redundancy and redundancy payments. They might not know the figures, but they clearly understand the concepts around redundancy and redundancy payments. And there's almost an invariable expectation with most workers that if their employment ends, then they should be entitled to a redundancy payment. That's an urban myth in the sense that you only get it if you are genuinely made redundant. But a lot of what's going on in social media, a lot of what goes on around discussions over the kitchen table or at a bar is around if you have lost your job, you should have been entitled to a redundancy payment. So because of that, using the redundancy payment list gives a very simple focal point for working out what generosity is going to look like. So it's not too difficult to quantify? It's not difficult at all. It's easy to find, easy to understand. And what it does do is there's a second part of this. Every employee who is in a position where their employment relationship is going to end, they need a story to tell their family, their friends, their social network. That's right, that's correct. They have to have a narrative to explain it away. Because there is no blame being attached to anyone in this process, it's very difficult if it's just a blameless separation. That doesn't give anyone a narrative. If we can then translate this into a genuine redundancy situation, most employees can accept that a genuine redundancy is a narrative that they can repeat to family and friends because redundancy by its nature is something that a worker is never blamed for. So it makes for an easy narrative. It's a socially acceptable narrative to be able to say, oh, I got made redundant from my job. There's not a negativity attached to it. So I use redundancy not only because it gives a good benchmark for a value of money, but it creates a very good narrative which employees need. That was John Ryan with Tony Bongiorno for part one of a two-part discussion on redundancy. Next week, John and Tony continue the topic and what can happen during conciliation. You've been listening to The Money Doctors, proudly brought to you by leading financial services organisation, The Bongiorno Group. For more information, please call 03 9863 3111 or visit bongiorno.com.au. Please remember this general advice has been prepared without taking account of your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should consider the appropriateness of this advice before acting on it. If this general advice relates to acquiring a financial product, you should obtain a product disclosure statement before deciding to acquire the product.